Mage Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2, no problem. Holidays, flash sales, no problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M A G E M O J O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax technology solutions and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. Welcome to Mage Talk, the Magento Community Podcast, while we're trying to figure out what we're doing. I'm Philip. And I'm Kaylin, and I have the pillow of authority here in the background that you can see yeah, here. Yeah, don't, don't, don't mess with Kaylin. He's got the pillow of authority. Everybody knows when you have the pillow of authority, it shan't and be away. We are joined today by a very special guest, very long overdue interview, Aaron Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate it. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> so by way of introductions, uh, I've got Aaron's LinkedIn pulled up here. And uh, Aaron is the Commerce Director for Widenhammer. Um, his about description says, I've been an analyst, product manager, agile champion, an agile champion Consultant, I'm going to just read this whole thing, Phil. And wow. tell you. Keep, this keep reading. Direction. This is great. Sal- this is actually good. Sales engineer and occasional SQL jockey. Wow. I'm passionate about bringing order to chaos and finding... Okay, I'm done reading. But uh, but yeah, no, it's really good to Aaron. We, to we, cut, we cut any LinkedIn bio off right at the platitudes. Right. <laughs> Start spewing the platitudes. That's yeah. when we're like, we're done. The Self, self-promotion, it has to stop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we optimize for LinkedIn snark. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we look for in the, in the description. There's some in there, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's really good to have you on, man. It's been, a, it's been long overdue. And uh, I just saw you in Austin recently. Um, and uh, you gave a... In the Shipper HQ meetup. Shout out to to them and to uh, Britain team for putting together a really good conference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I don't know where we, we want to start here. We'll tra- probably jump around quite a bit, but uh, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the talk that you gave there and, and uh, kind of, should, should we start there? Let's start there. Tell us about the talk you gave. So, well, and so and it was a talk that I developed for Meet Magento New York the week before and gave, and it was, it was a talk about how to, it was really aimed at merchants. And like a lot of Magento conferences, of course, merchants are fairly thin on the ground. So uh, it was a little self-referential, I think, for most of the audience. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's, it's something that uh, I know, and I, I think, I think Philip, you've, you've dealt with this a lot before, which is when you're working with people, uh, a lot of merchants who are coming to you and they're moving from Magento 1, they're like, okay, well, I need to, I read a blog post that, that scared me and said Magento 1 was going away. Um, I need a Magento 2 and can I just, I want to buy a Magento 2 from you. Can I have one, please? <laughs> also, 
Can you for ten thousand dollars? Ten thousand dollars in a box of Twinkies, and, and I expect my site to be faster, but I don't want to spend any more money, and I don't know what my requirements are, and I've got a list of forty extensions. <laughs> wow! And he's frozen. Oh no, he's frozen. Yeah, the the uh, Magento oh. gods uh, struck him. <laughs> struck him down yeah. for blasphemy. Yeah. Hopefully he'll come back. Zoom God shall not speak against the RFP. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll well, just send him a quick DM. Maybe you can... When Aaron comes back, I can riff a little bit. Uh, oh, there he is. A little bit. Sort of-ish. Guys, hearing me? Nope. Yes. Yeah. Nope. Now we can hear you. Start back over uh, from the very top. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you upset the Magento gods and were swiftly struck down. Uh, oh, so... Yeah. yeah, I mentioned big commerce or something. I guess. <laughs> yeah, when you mention big commerce, that tends to happen <laughs> on this show. Uh, get go back to what you were talking about from you know sort of just choosing a platform. They've already made it up in their minds that Magento is what they need. They're coming to you. They have a long list of requirements. They have zero budget. What happens? Well, not the zero budget part, hopefully, but uh, just a way of like it's it's about framing the conversation for the merchant away from. I have an IT expenditure. I have CapEx. I have this necessary plumbing. I need to rip out the old galvanized iron, you know, uh, water lines and replace them with PEX or something, right? That's, that's, mm. it's like, I'm not going to get a net benefit out of this. I just have to do it because the code, the, you know, city codes came and said I had to do it. Um, how do you, how do you have that conversation internally with your own stakeholders? If you're a merchant, that's, that's like, what should we be doing? Let's not assume anything. Let's not assume anything we've built is relevant to what we need to have. Let's talk about the future. What sh- where should we be going? How should we spend our money? Let's not just you know, assume that Magento 2 is a new coat of paint on an existing house, right? And that's, that's really what the heart of the, the presentation was about. Mm. And, and the way that most brands or the way that most businesses are trying to accomplish this right now is trying to find like apples to apples by, you know, equating on features, which is usually what the focus of a of a RFP or a request for proposal is, right? Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I talk about a lot is, you know, obviously you need to do some work in looking at, at features, but you need to move away from us making assumptions that because of it, it does it this way now that it needs to do it this way later. And there's also a fair bit in that presentation about you know, trying to understand the culture of the, of the agency that you're working for. Now, when I gave the presentation in Austin, it was a less Magento-specific audience. So it was repurposed to be more of a like, and you should be looking at other platforms too, maybe, because that's, you know, you say you haven't decided that you, you're going to Magento, but you're on, you're, you are a Magento merchant today. You're trying to figure out if you need to remain one, uh, kind of how to approach that same, that same decision-making process with the same thoughtfulness. When you say the same decision-making process, like the the decision in that, you, do you find yourself having to educate the business that it is effectively the platform that they have that they think is Magento right now is not necessarily the exact same type of platform that Magento 2 is. It is in name only. And so therefore, like they should be equating all platforms as equal at this point and be weighing them with the same measure. Yeah, not necessarily as equal. I know there have been a number of Twitter conversations about how do you find that unbiased advice about like, you know, who, what platform you should be going to because everybody in the business of consulting is also in the business of implementing something. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, all of us have some kind of like... Action Therein line. lies the rub. <laughs> yes. 
So, uh, but, but you should do it. I really want, I would love to have more platforms for merchants to talk to other merchants. If only there were some kind of like thing that connected a merchant to another merchant to have a conversation. Okay, Philip. I- yeah, I, I, so I have a, a show that we started a couple of years ago at Something Digital that is called- Has Mer- it been a couple of years? Yeah. Still, that is insane, now. I know, dude. things are going so quickly. It's crazy. That's um, so cool, man. So we're, we're like two years in now. I'm actually, I'm in LA right now for a, a merchant to merchant event that we're doing at Bowman Hats if you happen to be in West LA. Uh, 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, October 3rd. Completely pointless for literally anyone not watching at this exact moment um, live on YouTube uh, to have shouted that out. But yeah, we. what I found, Aaron, and, and you alluded to this, is that most people, when you're giving them advice from our vantage point, uh, whether they know it consciously or not, believe that the things you're telling them to do come with a string attached and that here's what you should do. It's a really good, it's a really good strategy for your business. And then the follow-on sentence is assumed to be, and I can do it for you, right? Because I have something to sell you now. Um, And what we found is that a lot of that good advice is advice that they would take more seriously if it were coming from people sitting in their own seat, right? The same seat that they're sitting in at their own organization. Um, And so having a brand, someone that runs a brand, um, someone that runs e-commerce for a brand that is similar to them and can sit on a panel and say, here's what's working for us. Here's what's not. Here's what is challenging for us. Here's those, that, that comes across with a lot of authenticity. It, uh, absolutely, does. it absolutely does. And I thought merchants need often, uh, <laughs> are you a busy man? Um, How's the, I, I'm, I'm in a hotel room. Sorry. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. Um, Merchants often need a, a, a way no, to... No, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're just say, no hablo español, no hablo inglés. <laughs> Por favor, limpiar los baños. <laughs> okay, it's good. I was going to say that what merchants often, when they, when they start coming to us, though, right, that they've all, they, they foreclosed on that option. They're like, no, I, I, I'm getting bids now. I'm in the bid, I'm in bid mode. I'm not in like ask questions mode. I'm not in gather input mode. I'm in, I need to get bids. And I think breaking that cycle a little bit and starting, starting to ask these questions before you're getting bids from, you know, from guys like us, right. Would be the right thing. I think something like merchant to merchant, um, and, and other, other avenues for connecting, connecting those directors of e-commerce to each other before it starts being like a CapEx discussion in their boardroom uh, would be super valuable. What, just to give a little uh, background, Aaron, what types of uh, uh, clients, and I'm sure there's a mix that you deal with, but do you, are you dealing with a lot of B2B, a lot of B2C, wholesalers, retailers? What's kind of the mix a lot of people coming from M1, different platforms. What's the mix of... Paint a picture for us. Sure. Well, I, will paint, I will paint a happy little picture for you. <laughs> um, well, I'm, first off, I'm contractually obligated to say that we will work with any kind of merchant in any vertical, in any space, on any platform whatsoever. Because, you know, merchants, anybody watching, like, call me. Um, but uh, realistically, what I've seen is that in the Magento space most of the growth has been in B2B. Manufacturing and distribution, it's been a really... um, uh, Shannon Hain from from Magento's uh, product management team 
gave a, built this out as a persona, I think, in several talks that, that she gave to the partner ecosystem a couple of years ago, because that's sort of like digital transformation. I'm an, I'm an offline organization and I'm moving into transactional econ for the first time. I'm B2B, I, maybe I've been doing printed catalogs or I've got road reps, um, you know, I've got a call center, uh, I've got 30 years of weird custom pricing sitting in a printed binder some, somewhere. And, I, uh, and, and now I'm hearing that I'm... Binders full of pricing. Binders <laughs> full of pricing. Yes, F pricing. Um, and, uh, and they need to go online and they're, they figure out how to do that. And Magento is a really compelling offering for, for those folks. Um, you know, the, the flexibility that it offers is something they need because they have a bespoke set of processes that they need to map to uh, e-commerce. And uh, a, a locked-in SaaS offering is unlikely to give, give them the kind of flexibility that they need to, to do that. So that's where I personally have seen the most amount of, of growth uh, on Magento. Right. I, I'd like to take a, a quick timeout right here to mention, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, that uh, we recently got a review on Apple Podcasts from oh, Lord. Hollandale Eater from the United States of America on September 29th. He said, I wish every podcast came with a shorter version of itself. It's just too much of self-repeating and useless information. Some p- episodes of Mage Talk have valuable stuff. Others are just rumors mixed in with product placements. I would like to point out at this moment that we've had zero rumor or product placement. And, uh, and that this has been quality content. So that's for you, Hollandale Eater. And while we're <laughs> while I have the floor, I can tell you a little bit. <laughs> <more than ago. laughs> uh, if you're looking for hosting, that we only talked about our positive reviews. Yeah, you know we talk about all the reviews. We're equal opportunity review reviewers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Aaron. Uh, but in all seriousness. Um, when you say you work with all merchants, regardless of platform, what are sort of the range of services that you feel like, you know, might be applicable in 2019? You know, are they really looking like, is everybody looking to have like one hand to shake or, or are they looking for specialists in certain areas? Like what, what is your sort of sense of the landscape of delivering services at an agency right now? It's a really good question. Um, I would say that rarely does somebody come into the conversation looking for one hand to shake. Um, they're usually incumbent partners in some piece of their business for would be a paid search or SEO or IT or integration support, managing their ERP. Like there's some level of, hey, we have pre-existing contracts hosting, right? Um, where, you know, they're not necessarily looking right now. But often I will find that, and I don't want to get too self-promotional on, on here uh, at all, but I will say that when you're at a, at a larger IT company that can do can do multiple things that often helps you win business that you're not actually going to execute on. It's very odd. Um, so having the pro- the potential of being able to come in and be, let's say, uh, run um, you know a content, write content, and do product photography for somebody. Maybe they're not looking for that right now, but they're like, oh well, you know, maybe that would be helpful later on. Um, can you I interject? For- because Sorry, Aaron. I actually, that specific thing you mentioned, product uh, photography and, and descriptions, I think is one of the most interesting little micro niches niches um, in the space. I'd love, you know, I, I and think it's that's, poorly serviced, right? It's, I've never, and I've never, uh, I've never heard any, anybody talk about that before, literally. So I, I, doing that as a service. So I think that's super interesting. 
Get it. Yeah. If you go to, um, I've seen folks set up at like uh, B2B online and for offering this kind of service for in the B2B, because in the B2B world, that whole product data piece is, is kind of a mess to be honest, because right. the, the, you know, the manufacturers own the product data and it's very, very skeletal <laughs> in what it is, you know? And so if you're a distributor, your product feed might be just like a skew and a price and like, 24 characters of a title and then congratulations. Okay. Go get great SEO from that. Go ahead, go build a great user experience from that. And a lot, you know, a lot of time is spent on trying to like flesh that out. So there are people out there that try to do that, build standardized product data sets. Um, there are offerings out there. They just, I feel like haven't penetrated out to where, um, to the awareness that, that you see them at like IRCE or imagine necessarily, um, so I think they're out there. I also think that to some extent, what that is doesn't necessarily scale real well either. You know, it often helps if you can physically send your photographer with their rig out to the warehouse where the stuff is. The stuff is, and so having being a national provider there would be more like um, running like some kind of contact contractor aggregator service almost. Yeah, I, I would say that the need of quality copy and quality photography is inversely proportional to the number of SKUs that you have active for purchase. Because the, the size of your catalog sort of dictates how much effort you're willing to put into the entire breadth of your catalog, like in, from investment, like a customer experience point of view. So what most brands, especially on the B2B side, you have heavy parts catalog, they wind up creating a lot of like curated catalog content that's like shoppable catalogs or print catalogs are where it editorializes a set of products and then you dive into like product selection from there. So there are ways to do this. Um, Kaylin, if you did want to follow somebody who has a lot of opinions on how to write copy for consumer, there's someone on Twitter. Her name is Kaylee Moore. And she is, um, she is really, really brilliant about how to write like stunning product copy for... How do you spell that real quick? K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. K-A-Y-E-E... K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. And it'll be in the show notes later, right, guys? Yes, it will. Thank you, Jordan. Love you. Kaylee Moore. Kaylee Moore. Okay, perfect. Um, Bill, that's a great point. And I'm curious, too, um, if this... Have you guys talked yet on the show? I'm not as caught up as I could be about uh, Yapo and the inclusion in core and what user-generated content and kind of what that, what that signifies. No. Why don't you brief our audience on that real quick? Uh, unfortunately, Phil has not been populating the quality content that we expect from him. So. Uh, because I'm too busy, by the way, uh, indulging in rumor and product placement. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be helpful, Aaron, if you could, if you could give a quick summary of that. Sure. Well, so Yapo is a user-generated content um, media platform that has had a lot of growth in the last few years. And uh, things like aggregating product reviews, product questions and answers, um, shoppable Instagram feed type stuff. And then uh, I think they acquired Swell, which is a loyalty program, a loyalty offering uh, a couple of years ago. Was it? Was it two years? Has it been two years? Yeah. and it was just announced that the uh, you know Yapo is going into the Magento core with the I think the, the two three three release that just dropped or the two three four release that's forthcoming. Yeah, yeah. Release, release, release notes again. Right. Product inclusion happens in um, in uh, patch release versions now, so we only get them in the in the point in the point release. <laughs> yes. Let's let's start that conversation. No, that's. I, <laughs> 
Are we going to talk about the Tamando thing, by the way? <laughs> uh, you need Karen for that conversation. I don't want to have any part of it. I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to publicly <laughs> comment on any of that stuff. But yes, go on. So, uh, bundling inclusion, how it's all valuable. Well, I was specifically talking about we had segued in via the uh, the product content piece and right. talked about how Yahoo is now in the in the core and makes it at least a little bit easier potentially to build out content around products you know, for somebody that's coming from a platform where they're, they can get the product reviews, they can get user-generated content at least and start sourcing some of that and have richer product descriptions um, without having to necessarily pay a content writer to do it. Although that is a time-consuming process. Um, yeah. and, uh, it takes a while to go, but it's, it's, it's an interesting... To my knowledge, Magento hasn't really partnered with anybody in this space and put any or up until now in this particular in this particular spot. And I'm curious about what drove that. And and this would be the speculate rampant speculation piece. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, and we we don't, we don't do that do anymore that. on the show. So we don't do that. Just, By the way, Phil, when you said the importance of product copies inversely proportional to the size of the catalog, you're basically I mean that's basically a roundabout way of saying that all you care about is DR these fancy D to C brands that have small catalogs, right? I love that that's how you say that to me. No, I'm saying that's that. exactly how I have to say it. And I and what I wonder is whether Aaron is gonna challenge that fundamentally on principle that, you know, even for larger catalogs, that there's there's still a lot of importance to uh, I, I think that there's there's let me let me qualify what I was saying. I think that when you have a few uh, lower skew count, by nature of the way that e-commerce platforms are built and the way that people are used to browsing on e-commerce and like browsing and buying, like doing product discovery, the more you have to actually beef up the the content around a single piece of product. So Allbirds launched with one shoe, <laughs> right? They had one shoe. They had a wool runner. And you had one shoe. You don't need a category page. There's no product listing page, right? So discovery is a moot point. And the product detail page is literally only one page. So if you had no product description and no copy, you would have no page. It would have it'd be an image with a buy button. Sure. So the, the smaller your SKU count and the more considered the purchase, you know, the more... Uh, the more that a customer wants to consider every aspect of the purchase without being distracted by other you know, offerings that you have, they're going to focus in on the one or two things that you have or the handful of things that you have. Whereas I think in a very, very, very large catalog, you, you, uh, you are physically unable to actually write copy for every single item in your catalog. So... You have to focus your effort on, you know, it's 80-20. You focus your effort on your 20% that really is meaningful. And the rest, your content is sort of comes down to product attribute, right? product attribute uh, uh, data, which is, I think what Aaron was saying before. I'd love to be challenged. I'm, I'll challenge that a little bit. And say, if, if, you look at, if, you look at a, if you look at Amazon, for instance, right, arguably the largest catalog in the, in the, in the universe, possibly the multiverse, uh, for those who... <laughs> oh! Yeah, uh, yeah, like that. Um, but they, they impose pretty strong requirements on merchants who want to list their product on Amazon in terms of like rich product descriptions. You know, they, don't, they, don't, they, they try very hard to force you to have like a lot of information, a lot of photography, and it doesn't get any bigger than Amazon. And I think, I, but I think you're, you're, you're pointing out something that is a perception about the, the relative importance. If there's, a, if there's a glaring lack of content on your site, you're going to notice it real hard if you only have one product. 
it's going to be really freaking obvious. Everybody who goes to your site is going to see it because there's nowhere else for them to go. But if you have a large catalog, not having good content and good copy and good data about what you're selling is really critical because at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're impacting the customer's willingness to click the buy button in the first place, right? You need to be showing that you, content generates trust, right? The more you can talk about the product itself, the more questions you can answer on behalf of that customer, the more likely they are to find the information they're looking for that's relevant to their purchase and then click the buy button. So I think you're right in that it's certainly more noticeable on a low skew count catalog because there's nothing else to distract you from the fact that like if your content's absent, it's, it's, it's just absent. And I think also, you know, in a, you, you need to differentiate between a B2B buyer and a B2C buyer, right? A B2B yeah. buyers are often, they're buying, they're paying with someone else's money anyway. They're, they're, they are searching by attributes or they're buying what they bought last quarter for a reorder or something like that, that's much less compelling of a thing for them. But if you're like, if you're, if you're, if you're like an Amazon, right, and, and you're selling billions of things, um, that content is still, when that person has their eyeballs on that screen, on their phone, on the tablet, they're like, do I want to buy this or not? Seeing that information, I think, is a valuable signal. That goes back to the Yapo thing to me, which is social proof. Social proof is also an incredibly strong mm. buying signal. And that's something that I think is, uh, has been absent in Magento, and on a lot of Magento sites is that social proof piece that uh, I, think, I think the Apple acquisition potentially, or not acquisition, the inclusion um, will... I don't want to tell you that's a rumor. Let's not start. <laughs> we don't do rumors. Love Yapo, everybody. Tell your, tell your senator. Yeah, and Yapo is our product placement now. So uh, we're, right. we're, we're towing the line uh, right. for the Hollandale eaters of the world. Let's face it, Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to MageMojo for the continued support of MageTalk. MageTalk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com. I want to mention one thing, which uh, I, I just I think it's very important to bring up is that 
when we're talking about product copy, especially you said SEO, um, you sort of mentioned like discovery happens when you have, you know, well-formed uh, product that helps or well-formed copy that helps people to find you through organic means. But organic is not a free channel, right? So to write copy either takes time from your internal resource or an investment in another resource to write the great copy or to expose product data to your point, Aaron. Um, having, having that copy updated very regularly and optimized for keywords uh, for discovery also is a very costly investment. So, um, and then I think the brands that get it wrong are the ones who try to offload all of that responsibility to their customers and rely on their customers. Social proof is powerful, but it does not, it doesn't absolve you of the responsibility of, of uh, creating engagement in text for your customer, like for, for people to read. And I think that, uh, you have to do it all. And I think this is inherent to the problem of... Uh, I'd love someone's thought on this. This is one of those... Uh, we had a, I had a Twitter argument with somebody. Uh, you did? No. <laughs> I'm shocked and appalled. And, uh, and they were saying, you know, I was basically espousing the virtues of uh, investing in, in local business and, you know, having a brick and mortar presence over, uh, over e-commerce. And that mm. e-commerce is actually deceptively hard. I think this is one of those things. It's deceptively hard because you are there is an an expectation of the customer that you didn't set, but they have regardless that you are able to execute perfectly on every one of these initiatives. You need to have reviews, and they need to be great reviews. And you need to have two day shipping, and it's got to be free. And you need to have you know beautiful photography, and you have to have great copy, and you have to have a beautiful website, and it has to be fast, and it has to, and taxes have to be calculated properly. And all these things are, are, are on their own difficult to solve for. And I think, you know, running a digital e-commerce shop in 2019 is deceptively hard and actually way more costly than you might think yeah. on the face of it. Yep. Totally, totally agree. You know, in the good good old days, anybody could just sort of like, just by being online, you had a sort of like an inherent audience and an inherent customer base. I'm selling a thing on the internet. You know, we're we're all old enough to remember that, I think. Um, And it's, you know, that's commoditized so much. Standing out is so hard. And that, I mean, that, that really goes into a lot of the DTC brand stuff that we're, 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 you're seeing success with these brands is they have found a way to get through the noise Mm. of, e-commerce and really do a good job of um, delivering a, a, a digital experience. But it's really interesting where you see a lot of the DTC brands sometimes stumble a little bit when it comes to delivering on that. Like they have the digital piece down solid. Like it's like an IT company that decides to do retail and everything about their digital experience, the, the, the acquisition funnel, right, the product copy, the site's fast. And then it's like, okay, now I, I need to get a thing from a warehouse to a customer uh, and then it turns out it's really hard, uh, rinse run play. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. And, 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 and by the way, like customers expect to have an experience when they open the box now, right? They, they don't just want a product in a plain card, cardboard box, like heavily branded in-home, like unboxing is part of your brand now. So that also raises the bar and it's expensive. Like you said, so they've cut through the noise. I would argue they are outspending everybody to cut through the noise because every channel, every channel that you that is a discovered channel right now that is not organic SEO is pay to play. 
SEO is pay to play too, to be solid. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Organic in, in quotes. <laughs> qualify that because I think that that's really important in sort of that nature of how those things sort of like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you made the point earlier, right? Having the, you've got somebody has to have, you have to have a good text to HTML ratio on your pages. You need keywords optimized for SEO. None of that stuff arises for free. You have to pay someone to, you know, analyze that and write that copy and put it in. Not only that, you also have to you know, deal with all of the signals that Google is using to rank pages, right? So speed. Um, now there's the whole PWA thing. There, and that's, you know, that's a lot of people's entry into um, a, lot of the, a lot of the conversations they have with the, with the agencies is, mm-hmm. you know, I need my site to be fast because Google, or I need this because Google. Well, the this always costs money. And it, honestly, I, I don't know about you, but I think it's true that paid search, you know, when you, with with Google, boosts your organic SEO. That's correct. Yeah, that's not supposed to be true, but it, it absolutely it is. is true. It, it is true. And, it is and everybody who who manages accounts sees it. We found too that you, it's really hard to get earned. Like it's really hard for you to get link backlinks today backlinks. that are quality backlinks. If if only someone could create a service to get me some good links, Kalen. Shout out to good links. What happened to that? Yeah, you remember that, don't you? I remember all the There's like, tell me about back. Was it backlinks.io? It was <laughs> bad links. That was a long, bad links. A long, long time ago. But what, 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 um, but the, it is an, it's a necessary part of building organic and, and, it requires either cold outreach, it requires like boots on the ground and earned media. There is no such thing as earned media because every single media channel from TechCrunch to Forbes is pay to play as well. Yep. So anything, any mention that you get in any sort of consumer facing media property today is a result of having paid for PR. So every single part of the interaction for running a digital business requires money investment for you right. to drive people to your site. Which right. And that's a great time for you guys to uh, segue into your next uh, sponsor. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which, which, which one? Backlinks.io. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bad links. Well, I, you, know, you do drive them to the website. You want very uh, accurate tax calculation. Um, and so if you want tax, I don't know where to go with this. This is... <laughs> I honestly don't know exactly which sponsor was being queued up with probably with, Commerce with, Hero, maybe I don't know. I, I really don't know. I really don't know. But what what um, well, actually, I wanted to jump into something real quick where you're talking about how all these DTC brands run into a wall when they run into things like logistics. Shopify recently acquired Six River uh, Fulfillment to go head to head against Amazon, right on fulfillment. Mm. And what I wonder is, should so it's funny because I, I've recently oh, been starting to Magento thing, Magento shipping. I thought we weren't going to talk about this, but uh, I know we're not. We're not talking about that. Okay. I, I've been, I've been, I've been uh, starting to try to understand a little bit of Phil's world recently in these D 2 C brands and whatnot, and people that are on people that are on Shopify and things like that. And I look at so I've got my head in these two worlds, right? And, and on the, on the, on the DTC side, you got people that are looking at how do I build a product people will love? How do I market it? Right. Then I go back and I look in the Magento camp and we're still arguing over whether or not full page cash should be enabled in our performance benchmark tests. No one like, like, like 
Nobody cares. Like no, no end consumer care. And I wonder if the same is true about fulfillment, right? Like, like in the Magento world, we deal with a lot of complicated fulfillment scenarios and we think about how do you build all that. Should a merchant really have to care about fulfillment or should a Shopify or whoever or Tomando or ShipRHQ just handle that for me? And then all I have to worry about, like you said, Phil, this is a difficult problem to solve is how do I get through all the noise? How do I make a brand that people like? How do I spend the money to get all the, the press and everything I need to, to have a brand? Should that be the only thing that I should really care about? Um, uh, and that's, that's what I wonder. Like, should merchants have to, should, should uh, Rent the Runway, should merchants have to care about delivery? Or should that just be something that is solved in the underlying infrastructure? Well, they should absolutely care, right? I mean, they, they care about the, the, that's customer service. That's kind of, that's CX. Like that's, that's an integral to any, any brand somebody's trying to build, right, is going to be the, the end customer's experience. So of course, they have to care about that. What I mean is, should they have to care about the implementation details in the sense that a developer has to care about their oh, code, oh, oh, oh. they don't have to care about assembly. Can I try to restate it a different way? Please, yes, please. Uh, okay, so what you're saying... I think what you're saying is there is an inordinate amount of attention that's paid to how to deliver fast websites and and there's almost no attention paid to how to deliver packages quickly and there's a disparity there. Yes. Right? And I think you're right. I think that's because by the nature of what we do, um, I believe that website development is is on its way to becoming a commoditized blue-collar job. Yeah. Hashtag no code. Yeah. 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 And I think we're, we're all living a delusion that it's a white collar job. It's actually a vocation and that's okay. Like that, there's nothing wrong. Wait, wait a minute. 100% agree agree with that. Aaron, please. A developer developer is a blue, first of all, blue collar and white collar is such odd, arbitrary words that have no actual mapping, you know, it's technically uh, the color of a collar. Okay. If somebody sits in an office and sips lattes, not unsimilarly to what Aaron might be doing on any given day and writes code, you're, <laughs> that's, a, that's a blue Sorry. collar. Continue, sir. What does that mean? Like, I don't understand what that means, that that's a blue collar job. A blue collar job, I, I would say, is, is a, uh, a skilled specialist labor position that doesn't require uh, secondary education or, a, or uh, a, an edu- like a broad education degree. It is a, a job that has, um, you know, a typical... sort of an arbitrary definition. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one, one other way to look at that too is that, you know the jobs that require union representation, right? You know historically blue collar jobs okay. have been the ones that representation because there's a perceived power disparity between the workers and the employers, right? And I think with developers, I think a lot I think a lot of us have been living living a pretty good life where we've been able to dictate an awful lot of the circumstances of how we work, what we get paid, under what our work environments are like. Uh, this is where the commerce hero ad comes in. Bingo. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, by the way, I, I mean, there's the whole Kickstarter uh, unionization thing that's popped up, which is, which is interesting. I mean, right. um, but I, anyway, I sort of, I sort of nitpicked on, on like the intro to the point you were about to make. Oh. I mean, the point that I, w- I was making, and I, I, I want to hear Aaron's thoughts here. The point that I was making is that as the tools evolve to, uh, to shorten the path between the creative uh, inspiration and the actual 
and the actual delivery, like the actual uh, delivery of a, uh, a, I don't know, a piece of code or a, a piece of functionality uh, and developers are less necessary to make those happen. Uh, all of a sudden, the, the developer attention and sort of the minute, like our our ability to sort of become myopically focused as developers on key metrics and things that uh, that ultimately are part of the bigger picture, but we can't see the bigger picture because we're so focused on our little piece. Um, we become a, a very big bottleneck where we are, uh, our bottleneck is then removed. Our, our bottleneck on the one myopic thing we're focused on that is, you know, should we or should we not be measuring full page cash response time as far as, you know, like time to like, these are things that probably matter to some people, but they, they only matter to a broad number of people at scale because of the lack of sophistication of the tools that we have today. And I, I agree with that point. I'll add that we have to keep in mind, we are all in a Twitter bubble, right? Like a very small percentage of the American population uses Twitter. A very small percentage of those people are the ones that are active on Twitter and an even tinier percentage of the ones we're, we're dealing with. So I would say that like a conversation about tools between work, work people who are working with those tools on Twitter is appropriate for, for those, that conversation. They're not, there's no, there's no responsibility on their part to be relevant to a merchant. And that's something I was going to say, Kaylin, you know, to your observation, I kind of agree, but I'd also gently push back and say that you're, you're right and that a merchant shouldn't have to care about whether or not we've stripped full page cash out of two competing Magento instances for, for, for purposes of benchmarking, but no one said they should in the first place. Right. So it's, it's okay for Mark and, 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 and everybody sort of publicly debate that we have to keep in mind, we're seeing our perspectives are very limited. in that. Right. Totally. Because I do think yeah. that merchants do care about whether or not their site is fast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I just I, think that, yeah. I just think that um, let's just say in the Shopify community, that has essentially been, now this is an oversimplification, but speed has been solved at least Let's say on the back on the back end. Now there can be complications. You have fifteen JavaScript things on the front end. You can have issues. But, but it's not an open source community. There's nothing people arguing on Twitter can actually do about site speed on Shopify because there's nothing anybody in the in the Shopify community. Correct. That is, why would they talk about it? But in Magento, because source and because we all roll our own, because there's lots of competing hosting platforms. That is both the beauty of the platform and also well, there's so much noise. And argument and, and, and arguing around what seem like obtuse points of how many you know cash requests can dance on the head of a pin, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I have so many things to say about that, but I'll just shut up. Okay. No, jump in, dude. Jump in. Okay. Um, I'm. 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 Okay. Do, <laughs> sorry. Do you want? Do you want me to jump in? I. I. I so agree with that because I feel like we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to affect things that should never be touched because we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many cases, I think people thrive with boundaries and having boundaries around things that you just can't touch because they're sacrosanct, keep you from focusing on things that should never be bothered with and keep you focused on the things that actually are meaningful to your business. Um, I, I, and this is in no way, like I was having a conversation with someone from Shopify recently who said, should we, you know, people are always asking for checkout API. We want checkout API. We want to roll our own checkout. What do you think? And I said, uh, the, like, there's a reason that your business has done what it's done. And it's because you didn't have the people, you didn't have half of your audience, you know, wasting all of their time futzing with the checkout. 
they only focused on they only focused on the things that they could control, and that was the things that are customer experience based. And you yeah. found some median that happens to work for most people when they're checking out on Shopify. Um, so in my opinion, like those boundaries have helped you get to where you are. Like, why would you change those boundaries now? You're going to have a lot of people that are going to put a lot of time and effort into changing things that really don't move the needle in the end of the day anyway. And they can, they yeah. Can and, <laughs> and I think, right. And I think that's what I'm, I'm seeing as well is that yes, it's true that there is no Shopify community that can discuss performance of the core because they have no access to it. How, uh, but 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 the point is, is it productive? Like, is it like the developers in the Magento ecosystem should be modeling business logic, right? We sh- you should be and doing it like in the, in the Shopify ecosystem. There's tons of developers that are building all sorts of stuff that require uh, complicated backend logic, API ingestion, all sorts yeah. of fun stuff, right? Are arguing over about that very clean over that. Over that very clean API handoff, right? Over a clean uh, RESTful API or whatnot. And so that's those are the same things we should be focused on. Yes, it'll look different because we're in an open source context, but we should be worrying about those, those same business problems. Like, I, like it's just, you know, uh, how much value in there, is there in arguing over whether or not, you know, Yep. Full page. No, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, and I will, I mean, this goes back to another point I made earlier about the B2B versus B2C is the people who need to worry about that, all the fiddling, all the complexity. Complexity is a subsidy, right? If you've got um, a business that has a lot of complex requirements in it, then you absolutely need, I need DB access, I need file system access, I need to be able to write my own scripts that go in and say, if user is type X, they need to see this type of functionality instead of this other type of functionality. And I need to pull data from like two different third-party systems and mash it together and present it to them, right? Like that's what Magento is for. But if I'm selling, if I'm Allbirds and I'm selling one product, I don't freaking need that. That is actually counterproductive to, to, to what, because now I'm a tech company. I don't want to be a tech company. I want to be a shoe company. Yeah, but even if you're not all birds and and you're a more complicated company and you need to mash up data from your ERP to different systems to your to to your Magento instance, to me that's 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 useful. That's interesting versus like I don't know, like the performance optimization stuff in the core is just like man, that should just be solved. Like that like that like we should be move we should be moving on by now to fo- to solve other problems. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to solve problems right now in the core, right? Because it's very complicated. Yeah. Um, and, and because, you know, I, I've said this before, it's never going to change anything and it's pointless for me to continue to harp on, but I happen to be, I was in the room where it happened, to quote Hamilton. Um, uh, and I, you know, I was there when people were talking about, you know, creating preferences and service contracts and creating like, all the architecture that we were putting in so that mage mail wouldn't conflict with uh, mage monkey and because nobody wanted to copy and paste you know a class to chain the inheritance themselves um, and look what we have now is something so much more complicated we have di we have plugins we have and it's just it's made it a not great developer experience and so we have a very very complicated stack now and that means that solving what should be trivial problems is also very, very complicated itself. And that's, right. that's the platform yeah. we have. That's- 100%, 100% agree, right? And, and I think you're going to see a lot of Magento development agencies 
um, who have been sort of like Magento only for a long time, expand into other platforms because the merchants are not are not following on this journey in the numbers that I think everyone sort of thought they would three years ago, right? This right. moved to Magento too. I mean, that was a big topic of conversation at Meet Magento. Uh, I forget the stat, but however many hundreds of thousands of sites are still out there on M1. Or either one of you guys happen to know what that number is. I know depending on who you ask, you get different numbers, but it's sizable. Yeah, I mean, if Kalen keeps tweeting out in inappropriate and wrong data, then you know, then we'll just <laughs> then you do put you out a bar chart of something or a pie graph or something. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about my mates' oh, live oh. tweets. Oh, I've been live tweeting. I've been putting in work while you guys. I love it. You guys are amazing. Fantastic. Freaking. You have guests more often. Love you, Kalen. Are we going to talk about Magezine? By the way, just yeah. Me. You want to talk? Do it. Magezine's awesome. Magezine's- uh, beautiful print magazine that was launched. They're never um, going to ask me to write things any ever again because I told them I would and and then I didn't. So ooh, harsh. I'm on the. I'm on the. I've been uh, excommunicado for those John Wick fan. John Wick. As you should be. As you should be. That's that's. It is a really orange listed. Orange listed. Yeah, no, it's really well executed. Uh, Lucas uh, Bayerowicz. Um, sorry for butchering the name there, uh, Lucas. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's, I think, the editor-in-chief, the main dude in charge. And and uh, there's there's a lot of great articles, Ben Marks, uh, Guido, um, Joshua Warren. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, illustrations are just beautiful. Um, so it's... It's, it's lonely, right, guys? Is it, is it... Are they doing another print copy like they did for Imagine or is it... Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a print. So the the print copies they're going to be giving them out at at uh, conferences and stuff like that. So you can't like order it online or anything, which makes sense. I mean, that's the right way to sort of distribute it, and um, and it, it's really cool. I mean, it's a it's I think it's uh, I'd love to get one of these bad bad boys. Um, so really nice execution. Mage Zine is uh, really well done. I'm very impressed with it. I'm sorry I didn't uh, come through. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing about it. I actually feel really bad. I, it's not. It's not like me. Usually, I'm saying no to a lot of things nowadays. Uh, so, uh, uh, apologies. What are you gonna do? Probably not. What are you gonna do? Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, cool. All right. Uh, fair enough. Can I? Can I uh, put one more thing out there too? I. I think it's interesting that we're still seeing and this whole Yotpo and the core thing, uh, and Aaron will give you the last word. Um, we're still seeing bundling now in the age of Adobe. Uh, I feel like that was very much, a, like it was painted by some people as like this necessary evil that Magento had to entertain because of the sort of the need to, to generate revenue and be able to claim that they had built-in functionality in certain areas like tax, right? So they had to check a bunch of boxes and Magento's always relied on partner ecosystem, whether it's systems Mm -hmm. integrators or technology partners to fill those things. That was the shortest path to getting it done. Um, So I don't understand or, or I can't really grok why in the age of Adobe, we're still executing in that way, Eric, any thoughts? Uh, yes, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I have, a, I have, a, I have a whole, you know, two-hour talk worth of thoughts about this topic and the overall trajectory of Magento under successive sort of like product leadership teams and sales leadership teams. But I would say that it's, it's very clear. You know, Magento's 
Magento's leadership's goal has been to climb, climb to the top right of the magic quadrant, right? For lots of obvious reasons, that's been the goal. When you are going up market, and, and by God, I don't want to have the conversation about is Magento going up market? Let's local do that on Twitter again. That's like almost that's that's worse than the FTC conversation. Uh, let's, I mean, you could literally, let's just start a whole podcast named is Magento going up market? We could own the SEO on that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we yeah. could own the SEO on that. Market.com and it just says yes. Like it's like a single, single page. <laughs> it's a single page. Yeah. Um, but I would say, you know, Phil, I think the, the answer is that when you get up, when you're going out, when you're chasing logos and labels and those guys are doing the RFPs and they're comparing you against, you know, Demandware slash, you know, Salesforce Commerce Cloud and SAP Hybris and, and, and others, people are coming to you with the RFPs that are like, 18 pages of spreadsheets with like, does your platform have? Yes, no. If no, explain with like 10 characters to do it. And they know that to win those, to make it through the BS vetting process that is corporate buying of software at the enterprise level, right? They have to be able to check yes on a whole bunch of stuff that otherwise, if they say, well, it's not really part of the core, but we have this ecosystem. Nope, you've lost me. The junior analyst who's responsible for like disseminating those RFPs and bringing them back is like running them through a scantron at the end. They're like, nope, 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 not that's complicated. Nope, not doing that. So their their choice is either to well, we've identified we need to win those RFPs. We've identified we need to move into those markets. So ergo, we need to have it's in the core so we can win so we can win that business. And they're moving away from they're dancing with the folks that didn't bring them. They're moving away from what grew Magento into the company that it is. Um, and they're making life, frankly, more complicated for all of us who have to develop on it and then deal with all the weird table and restriction and composer packages being out of date stuff that goes with all of these core modules, right? Um, but it's necessary to climb, climb that quadrant, you know? mm-hmm. so That's why they're doing it. And they're also making a lot of money on it. So, I mean, it makes sense. From a, from a specific point of view, it's a totally logical series of decisions. I don't like it, but I'm not the one ultimately making the decisions and responsible for the outcome of those decisions either. So again, random speculation on my part, which is I understand part of the Mage Talk brand. I wanted to be able to sure we did a little bit of speculation. Yes, I feel like Climbing the Quadrant is the new show title here. I kind of like that, Climbing That's the Quadrant. Not bad at all. Yes, uh, well, we kind of all did. Darren, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Much appreciated. Final words. Where can people find you? Uh, People can find me on Twitter um, at Aaron Sheehan. Um, They can find me on LinkedIn through the link that you're going to put in the show notes since you already read my bio. Um, And they can find me strategically located in Springfield, Missouri. Cool. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you all in the Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Peace.